Kings. Second Kings chapter number two is where the Lord is, is leading us this, uh, this morning. God changed my, my word on me. I I've been, had been studying for about a week, week and a half, and all of a sudden the past couple of days he just, he just changed this thing. But we're thankful and we're grateful because he knows what's best. He knows what we need. Father, we pray right now that you would just bless your word. But we pray, Father God, that you would just take me and Lord God and allow your Holy Spirit to teach your word. And we just praise you and we honor it for it right now. We bind up the hands of the adversary. This is our request and our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. The book of Second Kings chapter number 2. We want to talk about um, the, the finishing touches or the finishing touch. Uh, whenever we are going up, God has to do some, some things in us. There has to be some, some finishing touches that he has to do. And because we, we have two types of spirits within us, the Elijah spirit and the Elisha spirit, God has to deal with both because there is a process uh, that he has to deal with in order for us to be at the place where God has called and ordained for us to be. Now, in that process, there's some things that has to be released. There's some things that has to be removed. There's some things that has to be cut off in order for the Lord to, to bring about the completeness that he would desire for us to be. Now, in 2 Kings chapter number 2, I need you to stay close with me because we won't be before you long. 2 Kings chapter number 2, beginning at verse number 1. Verse 1 says, and it came to pass when the Lord would take up Elijah into heaven um, by a whirlwind that Elijah went with Elisha from Gilgad. Now, there are some things here in verse number uh, one that we need to understand. Here it is. The Lord is getting ready to take up the Elijah spirit that's within us. Now, that Elijah spirit that's within us, that's that fiery spirit that we possess on the inside. That's that spirit that, that will call down fire from heaven if we get on the wrong side of us. Amen. Uh, that's that spirit that will call the she-bears out of the woods when the children makes fun of you or mock you or when people mock you, then sometimes we will call the she-bears to come out of the woods to, to eat some people up, especially our enemy. Amen? So the first thing he has to do, he has to deal with that Elijah spirit that's on the inside of us, that one that's so bold. You know how it is when, you, when we first receive Christ in our life? I mean, we were, we were very bold. I mean, we were very bold when we received Christ in our life. And no matter what came up against us, we were at a point where we would speak, we would demand, and we would command. Amen. But something happened along the way. But God had to do something because, see, sometimes uh, we can call some things, when, especially when people make us angry. We will call down fire from heaven. I don't know about y'all, but I've done it before. I said, God, you get them. Amen. Not in my right mind. So God has to deal with that spirit on the inside of us. So the Bible goes on to say, so the Lord, he takes up Elijah and he takes him into a place called heaven. Now, heaven is that place of peace and harmony. So God has to get us to a place where we are at peace and harmony within our own selves. And we have to bring along that spirit called Elisha, which, which means a, that temperament. We need a temperament because if we don't have temperament in our lives, we will do some dangerous things. 
And because that Elijah's spirit on the inside of us is so fiery, he has to catch it up in a whirlwind. In other words, God said, I have to bring a hurricane upon your life in order to humble you down sometime. Amen. Have not God put a hurricane in our life in order to bring us down to a place where he wants us to be? Because sometimes we can get too high-minded. Amen. So then he says, he, he takes them and they leave from a place called Gilgad. Now, the place Gilgad means a place of reproach. So what does all of that mean? Why do we have to leave a place called Gilgad in order for God to get us to the place where he wants us to be? Now, I'm glad you asked. Amen. So let's go to the book of Joshua, chapter number 5. Amen. Because we want to deal with um, the place called Gilgad. Gilgad, chapter number 5 in the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua, chapter number 5, going to look at one verse so that we may understand where God is pulling us from, that place called Gilgad, that place of reproach. Now, verse number 9 in Joshua, chapter number 5 says, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day have I rolled away the reproach, the reproach of Egypt from off of you. Wherefore, the name of the place is called Gilgad unto this day. So in other words, God says he has to uh, roll away uh, the reproach, which means uh, the stigma. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The stigma that the world will put on us. Amen. And once the, the, the world puts a stigma on us, it, it will put, put us in a place of disgrace and shame. In other words, uh, a stigma or a shame of our past. Amen. See, some of us are ashamed of our past. Amen. We don't understand our past is our past. Amen. And it no longer should have a hold on us unless we allow our past to come into our present. Amen. And see, when we allow our past to come into our present, it will affect our future. Amen. So God says, I got to roll that away because sometimes in our mind we stay stuck. In the past, amen? Sometimes we are stuck in the past and think that is where we belong. But I'm here to tell you, God is not through yet. He has to do some finishing touches, amen? So we got to understand, you know, being stuck in the past is not an option, amen? Because God is calling us to another place in him, amen? Now, let's go back. Let's go back now to the book of Second Kings, amen? Second Kings chapter number 2. Let's go back there. Second Kings chapter number 2. Talking about finishing touches. So he, he pulls us from that place called Gilgad. He moves us away from our past. He moves us away from the past, uh, uh, from that shame and that disgrace of the things that we have done. So he calls us from that place first because he knows there's a process that has to take place. Now, let's look at verse number 2. Verse number 2 in chapter number 2 of Second Kings. Verse number 2 says, And Elijah, that old fiery spirit, said unto Elisha, that's that spirit of temperament. So it says, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said unto him, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they went down to Bethel. Now, when he brings us out of the place of Gilgad, what God does is he has to bring us uh, down, the word says, down into Bethel. Bethel means the house of God. 
So what God's saying is this. I've got to bring you down into the house of God, and we know that we are the house of God. So the, the Lord has to bring us down on the inside of us, and there's a reason why he has to bring us down. There has to be a, a downward trend because there's something down on the inside that we're going to need for our journey. Amen? Because we're going through a process. Amen? So what is that we need that God says you got, he's got to take us down within ourselves because most of us in the body of christ do not know what's on the inside of us that there's some things on the inside of us that we need amen now looking now at verse number three remember now uh, they have to go down you have to descend humble into the house of god which is bethel now verse number three says and the sons of the prophets that were at bethel came forth to elisha and said unto him, Knoweth that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today. And he says, Yea, I know it, but hold your peace. Now, what is in the, on the inside that I've got to go down inside of me that I need for this journey for God to complete what's necessary in me? Well, it talks about the sons of the prophets. Now, the word son there means a builder. Now, prophet means inspiring. So on the inside of each one of us, because we're on a journey, we have to have the builders of inspiration that will help us on our journey. If we're not inspired, we will not go anywhere. Amen. If we're not inspired, we will not do anything. Can I get an amen in the house? So we've got to go down and we've got to pull up the builder of inspiration in our life. We need to pull that up because God is doing something in our life and he's taken us someplace. He's taken us someplace. And he has to remove some things. He says he has to remove the head. He has to remove that Elijah spirit, that old fiery spirit. Amen. He's got to, we've got to get rid of that, that, that old spirit that will cut heads off. Amen. Because sometimes we will cut off some heads, right? Right? When, the, when the wrong person say the wrong thing to us and do the wrong thing, we're ready to chop some heads, right? We're ready to say, so God said, I got to remove that spirit, amen. I don't know about y'all, I've been there, done it, got a trophy and a t-shirt. I'm, I'm not so holy and righteous that sometimes I don't lose it, amen. Come on, y'all, be real, amen. Y'all, some of y'all done lost it too, amen. So, so, so he says now, now there's some things that has to be removed, and you need the, the builders of the prophet. You need some inspiration on the journey where you're about to go. Now, as we continue now, he says verse number 4 in Second Kings chapter number 2, verse number 4. It says, And Elisha said unto him, Elisha, tarry here, I pray thee, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he said, As the Lord liveth, as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. So they came to Jericho. Now, wait a minute. Now, he comes to Jericho. Now, he's at a place called Jericho. He's left Bethel. He's went down on the inside uh, of himself, off, off ourselves. We've gone down. And now we've gone down. We found those, the, those builders, the builders of inspiration. But the next place he takes us to is a place called Jericho. Now, Jericho is a wall. Uh, it's a wall that will, that's preventing us from reaching our destiny. Well, when you think about a wall, when you think about a wall, even in, in, in the midst of you, when you think about a wall, we cannot get out or get through that wall, nor can anyone come in. So what are these walls in our life? Now, see, wall, these are some walls. There's a wall of insecurity, lack of confidence. That's a wall. 
When you're insecure about your life and insecure about things, and you have a lack of confidence, you have no confidence, that's a wall. Amen? So that's a wall. And then another wall is we say, I'm not good enough. Anybody been there? They said they are not good enough. They think everybody else is better than them. They begin to compare themselves. Well, see, that's a wall. Amen? So you're saying that you're not good enough. And then sometimes we may say, well, I don't come from the right family. You know, I'm, I'm, my family is not what your family or wasn't raised up like you or wasn't on the right side of the tracks. See, that's a wall when we think that we do not come from the right family. Amen? And the next thing on a wall is, is this ethnic background. You know, in other words, okay, because I'm black, amen, you know, I, I, can't, I can't have this, I can't do this, I can't succeed. Well, that's a wall, amen, because God don't see colors, amen. You know, we may say because I'm white, you know, there's some things that's left out for me. No, that's, that's a wall. That's just an excuse, amen. See, we talk the ethnic background, saying what we cannot accomplish in life, that is just a wall that, that's trying to keep us from our destiny, amen. And sometimes we even may say that because of where I came from, my family history. You know, my daddy was an alcoholic. My daddy was a drunk. My daddy was a drug addict. My, uh, my daddy was a, a homemonger. My, my daddy was all of that stuff. Boy, that was your daddy. Amen. That has nothing to do with you. Amen. Amen. And this generation mess, oh, no. Christ put all that on the cross. When he was nailed to the cross, he took away the curse. So that means I don't have a curse on my life. Amen. The only curse I have on my life is the one that I speak to say I got a generation of curse. I'm going to be like my mama. I'm going to be like my dad. No, the devil is a lie. Amen. Because whatever my daddy was, that's what he was. Whatever my mama was, that's what she was. Whatever my grandmama was, that's what she was. That has nothing to do with me. Amen. All these are walls. These are walls. And the next thing sometimes we might say, well, I'm poor and I don't have anything. That's what Gideon said. You know, but yet God chose Gideon. He, Gideon said, he said, I, I'm the least in my family. You know, my, I, I, I'm poor. And, but God said, that's just a wall because it has nothing to do with your financial status. Amen. Because if God wants to use you, it doesn't matter whether you're a millionaire or whether you're just poor and broke. Amen. So, so God has not finished the finishing touches yet. Amen. Because we're going up. We're going somewhere. See, if you can see me when I go up, you can understand you'll, walk, you'll be able to see the touches of the Lord upon a life. Amen. And then we can understand it's, it's nothing to do with being on the wrong side of the track. You know, have y'all heard that old saying? Well, I was born on the wrong side of the track. And, and I was born on the wrong side of the track. And. And that's got nothing to do where God is taking you to. Amen. So, see, so you got walls. So, not, when you go down, that's why you got to have those inspired uh, uh, speakers, that, 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 those builders of inspiration in your life. Because all the ways the enemy is going to be speaking and tell you what you cannot do. Well, the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. So, whose report are we going to believe? Amen. Whose report are you going to believe? Well, I'm going to believe the report of the Lord, amen, because it has nothing to do with the situation, amen. So so, so forget about the, the walls because we're going to come back and we're going to deal with those walls again, amen. You've got to remember that. You've got to remember about those walls, amen. Jericho, all them walls, the Jericho in our life. You know, those walls, insecurity, lack of confidence, you know, poor, you know, don't have anything, you know, not intelligent. Well, let me tell you, you don't have to be, 
that with, with smarts, as man put it. Amen. How do I know? Because I've got a testimony that regards that. I'll never forget when I worked at uh, the post office and I applied for a job. And when I applied for this job, they had already decided who they wanted to, in that position. Well, I wasn't qualified because I didn't have that. I didn't have the, com- the computer knowledge. I didn't have the degree in that particular area. But they had already picked out somebody. I called him the golden head boy. That's what I called him. And even though the man had picked him out, it was not in the will of God. And the day when we had to fill out the application, and I had somebody that told me and began to help and assist me in the application, because, see, I'm not a good writer, amen. I'm not one that can put it all together. And what happened was when the applications went in, there was only one application. The one that they wanted, when he put his in, they disqualified him. Well, I'll never forget the day I went to my boss's office, and this is what he said to me. He said, Brenda, I think we're going to have to repost this job because we only have one applicant, and you've got to have at least three to five. Well, I said, well, you can do what you want to, but if the job is for me, all the devils in hell cannot take it from me. Amen. That's what I said to my boss, and I'll never forget my boss. At that, that time, my boss and I, we became good friends because God had to deal with him. So, but, but what happened was one day I get a call and say, congratulations, but it wasn't from my boss. It was from down in Columbia, and I'm like, what you mean, congratulations? And they said, you got the job. I said, well, I thought my boss said they had to repost it. He said, the person told me, you have the job. And just so happened that we had a meeting that day. We had a supervisor's meeting. So we go in the, in, in the office, and, and, and the boss man, he, he deals with everything else before he tells the other supervisor that I had gotten a promotion. Amen. But, you know, I'm sure he remembered those words. All the devils in hell can't stop it if God God has it for me. See, that's the mindset we as the body of Christ, we have to have. Because, see, God is not done with us. So it has nothing to do with your intellect. It has everything to do what God wants for your life. Amen. We just have to be obedient. Amen. Praise be to God. Brandon is just wide open this morning. Amen. Because I felt this was a, such a good word. It's a last-minute word from the Lord. Amen. The finishing touches. Amen. Now, the next thing is, we go as we leave Jericho, when we leave Jericho, now the Bible says in verse number 5, chapter number 2 in Second Kings, it says, And the sons of the prophets that were at Jericho, they came to Elisha, that temperament spirit. It says, And said unto him, Knowest thou that the Lord will take away thy master from thy head today? And he answered, Yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Now watch verse number 6, because there's another place you have to go to. Verse 6 says, And Elijah said unto him, Tarry, I pray thee, here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, As the Lord liveth, and as my soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. Well, what does all that mean? Jordan is a spiritual stream of life. So the next place that you have to go after you leave Jericho is to that spiritual stream of life. In other words, that place of overflow. See, the next place God says, when you leave from Jericho, have that mindset that, that you are, 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 are not good enough, God said, I'm going to take you to a place of overflow, that spiritual stream of life. Now, let's go, and, and, and something we have to understand, God will always have a successor. 
See, that spirit of, uh, that fiery spirit of Elijah, it had to have something to come along behind it. See, you just can't say, God, take this from me or remove my, my character defects and God don't put something else in. Amen. So let's go now. You keep your place in 2 Kings uh, chapter number 2. Let's go to 1 Kings chapter number 19. 1 Kings chapter number 19. And see, one thing about that Elijah spirit, that fire spirit, we, we, we can become boastful. We got an ego. Amen. Sometimes our ego will get us in trouble. Now, 1 Kings chapter number 19 says this, verse number 14. 14 says, and he said, talking about Elijah, because at this time, Elijah was complaining. He had gone through a rough season in his life. Sometimes when we go through rough seasons in our life, we complain too. Amen. We will complain. Now, verse 14 says, and he says, he's talking to God. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord God of hosts because the children of Israel have forsaken thy covenant, thrown down their altar, and slain their prophets with the sword. And I, even I alone, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Now, sometimes we think we're the only one on the block that's doing right. Amen. We think, have you ever been around people that always think everybody is wrong and, and they're the only one right? Anybody you know, been there? <laughs> I have. I've encountered those types of people. Oh, everybody else got issues. Everybody else got problems. Everything else they do is wrong. But when it comes down to me, I'm the one. I don't have no problems, no issues, none whatsoever. Now, that's how he said That's how he thought. See, when we're caught up in that fiery spirit, that, that spirit that wants to call down fire from heaven and call the she-bears out of the woods to, to destroy some people, we get caught up in ego because God's power has been moving and operating in us. And he said, I'm the only one that's left. Now, listen, it's more than house of destiny serving the Lord. There's some other folk out there that's serving God. Amen. Now, everybody out there's not wrong. There are some folks that's living right. Amen. Everybody in house of destiny is not living right. There's some that are living right. So everybody has to understand there are some people out there somewhere that loves the Lord. Amen. And that's doing the will of God. I didn't say everybody. Amen. But there are some bodies out there that is serving the Lord. So this is what he said. He said, nobody's left but me. He, he, he said, everybody else has forsaken you, God. Everybody has not forsaken the Lord. Amen. Now, but watch verse number 15. Now, this is how the Lord responds to our ego. Turn on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when thou cometh, anoint Hazel to be king. Because he thought he was the only one that was serving God. So when he tells him, he said, now, what you need to do is go, you got to return. that we cannot overcome we've got to face that thing and the only way that we can face it we have to go down by the way of demand
definitely not alert. <laughs> Amen. Now, you got to be alert. You got to have the right mindset. Then he says, I want you to go down to a place called uh, uh, Hazel, which, which means uh, the restoring of order. In other words, when we're in that state and that condition and that mindset and we're confused, first we've got to become alert and then we've got to set some things in order. Amen. We have to set some things in order because when you're in a confused state, there is no order. Amen. Can I get an amen on that? When we're in a confused state, <laughs> there is no order. Now, the next thing he tells him to do is, on verse number 16, he says, And Jehu, who is the son of Nimshah, shall thou anoint to be king of Israel. And Elisha, the, the son of Shaphat. Now, he says, the son of Shaphat, of, uh, he should, you should anoint him to be the prophet uh, in thy room. Now, you got to understand what the word Shaphat means. Shaphat means that spirit of condemnation. That, that spirit of punishment. Sometimes what we will do is we will put ourselves in a state when we're in that confused mind, we will begin to condemn ourselves and we will begin to punish ourselves. Amen? It's like there's no uh, vindication. Amen? So we got to change the order so we can go where God would have us to be. Amen? Now, looking at verse number 19, watch 19 and 1 Kings chapter number 19. Now, verse 19 says this. So he departed, that Elijah's spirit, amen, that old fiery spirit. So he departed thence, and he found Elisha, the, the son of uh, Shaphat, which is almost that judgment spirit, that spirit of punishment, you know, that spirit of condemnation. He says he found him plowing, plowing with 12 yoke of oxen before him, and he, with the, and he was with the 12th, and Elisha passed by him and cast uh, uh, cast his mantle upon him. Well, what does all that mean? In other words, what's happened is there's a succession going on. There's a transference of power. Amen. You always have to have a successor in your life. No matter what you're doing, no matter where God is taking you or where God is leading you, always bring somebody along that you can re-up that can take your place. Amen. Because he took the office of prophet, amen, of an inspired speaker. He took that office. But he was plowing. And it says with 12, ox, uh, 12 oxen. In other words, he was plowing. I mean, he was working, but he was working in his own strength. See, sometimes when we have that old fiery spirit, we are working in our own strength. Amen? Because the word oxen there means strength. So you're working in your own strength. And whenever we're working in our own strength, I mean, we can't get nothing accomplished because we've moved God out of the way. Amen? You see, it's not by might nor by power, but it's, by, by, it's, not my, it's not by might nor by strength nor by power. But God said, it's by my spirit. So we have to allow the spirit of the Lord to act upon what he wants to do. God wants a successor in our life. In other words, he wants that spirit of temperament. You know, we can't always be firing, cutting off heads and stuff. Amen. We've got to have a spirit of temperament. In other words, I hear you, Holy Ghost. We've got to have a spirit of self, self-containment. Amen. We need to contain some stuff. Amen. Maybe somebody went off today. I don't know. 
Might have went off this morning before you came came to church. I don't know. Might have went off last night. But God said you need to you need to restrain yourself. Amen. Self self uh, containment. So we got to we got to tone it down some. Amen. See, sometimes it's okay to be not to be toned. No, it's not. Amen. Because we must around and call something down that that did not intend to come down. Amen. We must around and destroy somebody and when it was not in the will of God. Amen. Because see, God will give you power. But one thing God will not do, oh, I hear your Holy Spirit. God will not put power in a fool's hand. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. God will not put power in a fool's hand because a fool do not know God. Amen. A fool, a fool has no control. Amen. Now, let, let's go back now. Let's go back to Second Kings. Let's go back to Second Kings. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Second Kings. Amen. Now, verse number seven, because see, we just went through that spiritual stream of life, that, that, that spirit of overflow. Now, verse 7 in 2 Kings chapter number 2 says, And 50 men of the sons of the prophets, the, uh, the builders of inspiration, they went and they stood by afar, and they too stood by joy. Now, watch, watch the next few verses. Verse 8 says, And Elijah took his mantle, and he wrapped it together. And the Bible says, And he smoked, he smoked. Uh, the waters, and they were divided hither. Now, and the Bible says, so that the two went over. You know, he takes his mantle. He takes his mantle. The mantle is important. I, I, I will never forget when, when someone said to, to uh, uh, Dr. Manley a long, long time ago, some years back, and they had came over and they began to wash our feet and anoint us, and they said to him that you know, God had placed a mantle upon his life, and if he did not manage that mantle correctly, it would crush him. And so here it is. See, that's how powerful that mantle is. It's very powerful. Now, verse number 9 in Second Kings chapter 9 says this, and it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I should do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elisha said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. Now you think about that. He asked for a double portion of the spirit of Elijah. He won't that. Now just think about it now. If you have that fiery spirit, that, that Elijah spirit, and you want a double portion. Now, uh, think about the fact that the power that you have, you are able to call down fire from heaven and burn up some men. You're, you have the power to call uh, uh, the she-bears out of the woods to, to, to consume some children because they're making fun of you. Can you imagine having a double portion of that? That's scary. So that's why God don't want to put that in the fool's hand. Amen. A double portion of that kind of, that of, of his spirit. Now, uh, then it goes on to say, and now in verse number 10 it says, And he said, Elisha says, Thou have asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. Now, verse number 11 says this. This is key here. Watch what he sees. Now, verse number 11 in 2 Kings chapter number 2 says, And it came to pass as they went on and talked that, Behold, there appeared a chariot of fire hmm, and horses of fire, and it parted them asunder, and Elijah went up by whirlwind into the heaven. Now, it says what he sees first, 
when he looks up, he sees fire. Now, when you think about fire, fire is destructive, but fire is also a cleansing and a purification. So what he sees is he sees a cleansing. He sees the purification, even though it was destructive. Now, I asked the Lord, I said, now God, I don't understand. He said he, he saw the horses of fire. He saw the power that's in the fire. I said, God, help me understand about fire. Because whenever I'm looking at the news, whenever they're showing something about fire, it's destructive. It is burning up everything in its path. Well, the other day we had the opportunity, I don't call it an opportunity, but we had to come over here to the church. And, and there was a man here, and I don't know how we got on the subject about fire. But he talked about how his granddad uh, uh, was a farmer, and what happened was that uh, there was a certain time of the year they would burn the land. And so when they would burn the land, he said the whole purpose of uh, burning the land or setting on fire was to cleanse it. It was uh, uh, bring about a, a, a place of purification in the land. And the reason why, it was because once things are burned down, he said, when the crop came back the next year, it was that much more greater. It was a whole lot more better. So I, then I said, okay, God, now I understand why he sees fire. Because he saw the need for, for cleansing and purification. See, God has to put trials and tribulations, it's just like fire, amen, on our lives in order to cleanse us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for making it clear. And to purify us, amen. Because it's like this. If you don't put no fire under the table, he ain't going to move, right? I'm sure we can understand that. But once you put some fire to that turtle, I guarantee you he'll put it in another gear. Amen. It's the same thing with us. When God puts some fire to us, amen, especially when we're in a stupor and we're in a condition, I guarantee you we all will put it in another gear. Amen. It's just like this. When we're going through and hard times come, now when we think we got two nickels and a dime, we don't put it in high gear. Amen. We don't run to the house of the Lord. We don't want to be in fellowship. But whenever God put the fire to us, amen, the trials and the tribulations and the pain and the hardship, all of a sudden we run to the house of the Lord. We run to God. Amen. We begin to pray to When we hadn't prayed in months, we begin to pray to God. Amen. Because we want that thing off of us. Amen. So in order for that to take place, that, that fire, in order for cleansing, cleansing to take place, in order for purification to take place, God has to put some fire to us. Amen. And put us in another gear. Amen. But that's part of the finishing touches. Amen. That's a part of it. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, here he says, he said, now, listen, he said, this is what he sees. He sees fire. He sees the power of the fowls. The, the, he sees the power uh, uh, of the horses, uh, which represents power. He sees the power of the fire. See, whenever God put uh, trials and tribulations to our lives, it it brings forth some power. And he does it with with, with great power and demonstration. Now, the next thing the Bible says in verse number 12 of 2 Kings um, chapter number 2, it says, And Elisha saw it, and he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel, and the horsemen thereof, and he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes, and he rent them into two pieces. Watch verse number 13. 13 says, he took up also the what? The mantle. He takes up the mantle of Elijah that fell upon him and went back and he stood by the bank of Jordan. That same place, that spiritual stream of life, when the mantle falls, it falls on the spiritual stream of life in our life. 
it's, it falls in a place of overflow. Now, it's like this about that mantle. Now, the mantle uh, um, does not come automatically because it had to be dropped. It had to be passed on. Amen. It had to be passed on. It's just like this. When it comes down to, to the mission uh, 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 that God has for a place, because if the leader dies, that does not mean the vision die. Amen. That does not see when when Dr. Man and myself when we're going on, that does not mean the vision of this house dies out. Amen. Because it does not go with the leader. Amen. That's God's vision. Amen. God's mission and God's purpose. Amen. So so when the mantle comes, the mantle it also it, it marks a, a prophet. It, it, it marks him for where he's supposed to be. It's a symbol of sacrifice and commitment, um, but it's not a life of luxury. Now, whenever God places a mantle on your life, it's going to cause for some sacrifice. It will cause for commitment. These days, most folks are not committed. Amen. They are not committed to nothing. But see, if you have a mantle of God, it's going to cause for some sacrifices. It's going to cause you to uh, take some money out of your pocket. Amen. When the need arrives. Amen. Oh, I didn't get an amen on that. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, in other words, there's no sacrifice. Amen. The mindset is not there. Somebody said, well, I don't want that man because I'm going to to give up something. Well, if you want to do the will of God and go where God wants you to be, and you want God to finish the things he has in your life so you can reach, uh, reach your destination, there are some things that has to be done. But let me tell you something. Carrying that mantle is not a life of luxury. You don't have a perfect life. you got hell at every corner. Can, I can say the amen. You got some stuff going on in every corner. Now, we got to understand though, it also, the mantle also represents uh, your gift, the call of God and the purpose for which God has called you to. So he, he gets the mantle. The mantle falls down. He takes the mantle. He comes back to Jordan, the place where it separates, a place of overflow. See, God has to part us from some things in order to receive the overflow. Oh, I hear you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving me that one. Because, see, it's like this. You know, we think that we can get overflow and don't be separated from the things that we're doing that's not right. God doesn't work that way. When we're going to operate in overflow, that means God has to do some things in our life. Now, watch where he comes back to. Watch where he comes back to after he parts the water of, of Jordan. He, he smites the water. He goes back across. Verse number 15, because he, he comes back with power. See, even though you, you're, you're in a temperate state, you still come back with power because, see, you have received the, the, the spirit of of Elijah, you got that fiery spirit, and also you got the spirit of Elisha, which is that temperate spirit, and they have now come together. And when they come together, you got some power, and you'll be able to do some things that God has called and ordained for you to do. Now, verse number 15 in Second Kings, chapter number, uh, number 2, it says, And when the sons of the prophets, when the, when the builders of inspiration, see, the builders of inspiration has to continue to go with you. And when the sons of the prophets, the builders of inspiration, which were to view at Jericho. Y'all remember Jericho? You remember with Jericho is that spirit of insecurity, that spirit of lack of confidence. You know, that spirit that says, I come from the wrong family, wrong side of the tracks. See, he comes right back there because he had to do that, and there was a reason. See, it says when the, uh, the sons of the prophets, which were to view at Jericho, See, you're going to always find somebody that's going to be watching your life. 
when you say God has made some changes in your life, you can rest assured somebody's watching to see. They're watching to see. Now, the Bible says this. The spirit of Elijah, do it. This, this is what your, those onlookers will say. The spirit of Elijah, which is verse number 15. The spirit of Elijah doeth rest on Elisha. And they came to meet him, and they bowed themselves to the ground before him. See, when people see the power of God moving in your life, those naysayers, all of a sudden, they're going to be saying something different about your life. Amen. They will say something different because now they have witnessed the power that you come back with when you crossed over the spiritual streams of life, when you went into that place of overflow, spiritually, physically, as well as financially. Amen. Now, let's go to verse number 19. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Verse number 19, 2 Kings chapter number 2. Now, <clears throat> what th- there's more to it. God has to finish some things. Amen. You know, when you, when you see me going up, understand, you know, most folks say, well, God is not through with me. Well, that's true. And as you go up and you begin to receive that power, everything does not happen just at that point. Some other things has to take place. Now, verse number 18 says, And when they came again to him, for he tarried at Jericho, that's 18, he said unto them, Did I not say unto you, Go not? So, see, you've you got to make sure you don't, you don't tarry in that mindset of Jericho when God delivers you. You've got to make sure you do not remain in that place. Verse 19 says, And the men of the city said unto Elisha, Behold, I pray thee, the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is not, and the ground, uh, the ground is barren. Well, what is that all about? See, when he comes back, when, see, when he comes back, now, the people see that, that the pleasantry in you. They, they see that pleasantry. They, they see that. But then they said, now, wait a minute. Uh, uh, there's something else wrong. It says, now, the city, the encounter, which is city, is pleasant. But then they said, but the water is not. The water is, is contaminated. You know, the water is stagnant. You know, sometimes when God moves us and, and, and we receive that mantle and we got that pleasant spirit, there's something about us that's not always there. It says the water is stagnant. In other words, that water is representing the spirit. And when you begin to look at the spirit and you think about the spirit of the word, now it can become stagnant in us. That's what happens when you begin to see people fall off. That means the word of God has become stagnant within them. You know, foul water. You know, you can't do nothing with stagnant water. You can't grow nothing in stagnant water. And the reason being, he says, the ground is barren. In other words, it's not producing. Whenever we are stagnant in God, we are unproductive. Amen. Whenever we are stagnant in God, and it does not seem that God is moving in our life, we got to check things out. We got to see if, if, if we're in the Word the way we should be. We'll have to see if we're living the way we should live. So, because, see, there's some stagnant things, there's some foul things going on. And said, the water is bad. Now, he says it's unproductive. The ground is barren. Now, watch this. Watch what happens now. When you recognize that you're in a stagnant situation, watch what he does, and it gives us an answer what we need to do. Amen? Now, verse number 20 says, And he says, Bring me a new cruise. Now, the new cruise is you as a new vessel. 
See, you can't put, I, I, I heard this the other day, you can't put uh, 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 old wine in new bottles. See, some of us want to keep them old ways, but we want a new vessel. Now, you can't do that. <laughs> Amen. You can't keep them old, nasty ways and think you're going to put it in a new vessel. It doesn't work that way. It, it, it can't contain that. Amen. Now, the next thing that he says now, he says, you bring me a new cruise. And then he says this. This is the key. And put salt therein. And they brought it to him. Now, why would you put that salt in this new vessel? What, what does that salt represent? See, that salt, salt preserves. When you think of the natural, salt preserves. But salt also changes the flavor. Amen. Anything that's bland, you put some salt, it changes, it changes the flavor of it. So God says we've got to change some things. There's some things that has to be added to our life so it can be changed. We can be changed. You know, you don't want to see the same old nasty person. Amen. So God said, I've got, got to put some salt in you. And see, sometimes salt hurts. Amen. You put salt on an open womb, it will burn, right? But you need some salt. Yeah, salt is nothing but them trials and tribulations, amen, just like everything is. You got to get burnt sometimes, amen, because you're kind of trying to come up out of that stagnant water. Many of us are in a stagnant position in our, Christ, uh, not, in our discipleship. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for correcting me, amen. In our discipleship, we're in a stagnant place. So God said, I've got to get you preserved. I, I've, got to, I've got to do some things. I've got to, to change uh, uh, the seasoning that's in you, the, the, the aroma. Thank you, Holy Spirit. The aroma that you give off that when people can uh, uh, taste of you like they do of God God says taste and see that, that I'm the Lord amen see when people taste of you and taste of you in the sense of the spirit they should get something good amen it shouldn't be, you know, a bad, foul taste, amen, and we call ourselves disciples of the Lord, amen. That means we're still in stagnant waters, amen. But then he says this. He says, now, now what you do is, is you put salt therein. Now watch verse 21. Verse 21, it will probably be the last one that we read today. Verse 21 says, and he went forth unto the spring of the waters. Spring is, is, is the freshness of the water. He goes forth in the springs of the water, and he casts the salt in there. Now, we got to be able to, 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 to in order to be seasoned, to, to give off that right aroma, we have to make sure that thing gets in us. You know how it is? You can always tell somebody else what to do, but when that same thing that you, you're delivering, you're not doing it yourself. So that means it's not in you. You know, in other words, you can give it out to somebody else, but you, you are not eating of that same thing. You're not drinking from that same fountain that you're telling everybody else to drink of. So here he is saying, he says now, and he went forth unto the spring of the waters. He cast the salt in there and said, thus said the Lord, I have healed these waters. Hmm. There should not be found thence any more death or barren land. So the waters was healed unto this day according to the sayings of Elisha. So in the final thing of finishing touches, we have to understand this. When we go through that process and we go from that, leaving that place of Gilgad and we go into Bethel and then we're going to Jericho and removing those thoughts and then entering into the spiritual stream of life, Jordan, we have to understand that's not the end, end results of it. God is not finished yet. So he has to throw some more salt. He got to throw some more trials. He got to throw some more hardship. I hear your Holy Spirit. God help. 
help me. I, I'm, I'm like this. Lord, I don't like I don't like tribulation. I don't like hardship. I don't like pain. But in order for him to, to soften us, to ch- bring about the, the aroma that we can smell like him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. We can smell like him. We can be like him. When people see us, we, we, they will get the aroma, the flavor of God. He said, I got to do some salt in you. I got to do some healing in you. And so those things that's in our life that God sends, it brings about healing. And when we get healed, when we are made whole, that is the finishing touches of God. We have to be made whole. We cannot just be sick. I don't mean the physical sick. I mean sick in the spirit. You know, so therefore, when, he, when God heals us and, the, and he finishes with that touch in, in our lives, whatever he has to do, then we will be made whole when you see me going up when you whenever you see an individual that's rising up in the spirit realm and you see some god doing great things in in them and through them you know that god has completed another season another cycle in their life and there's another finishing touch he has finished what he wants to do and there is a place of destiny. And there is a, I hear your Holy Spirit, there is a new assignment. Now let's give God a hand clap of praise. Amen. <laughs> Finishing touches. Amen. Finishing touches. Amen. When you see me going up, hallelujah. 